Just a few days ago, I stood on the edge of the city of Jericho and looked across the valley to the Mount of Temptation. It's really not a remarkable sight. There's not a lot there to see. In Israel, they call it a mountain. We would call it a pretty good-sized hill. On the side of that mountain, about three-quarters of the way up, really the only thing that changes the scenery is a Greek Orthodox monastery. And I was told there's only one Orthodox priest and two brothers that reside there. And yet they carry on a centuries-long tradition of praying for the entire world, praying that we might be delivered from temptation and from sin. The Gospel this weekend is one that as far back as I can remember has always made me wonder what Jesus did for those 40 days and 40 nights. And now seeing the barrenness of the Mount of Temptation and uh, the desert that he lived in for those days, it makes me wonder even more. After all, he didn't have Facebook or Twitter, didn't have his smartphone to keep him occupied. He didn't have television or computers. I'm sure that there was time spent each day looking for a little bit to eat and some water to drink. I'm sure that he spent a good part of his time resting and preparing for his public ministry and for the temptations that were to come. I'm sure he spent the majority of his time walking and pondering the beauty of his father's creation. There's beauty even in desert places. And I'm sure that there were expended, extended times of conversation between him and his heavenly father as the Father's plan continued to unfold. The church, in her wisdom, gives us these 40 days of Lent to mirror Jesus' days in the desert. These 40 days are our desert time. They're a time for us to step back and away from the things that trap us in our daily lives. Our Catholic tradition has always proposed that we give something up during this season. <coughs> so, excuse me, some people will give up candy, some will give up desserts, some will give up Facebook, some will give up the internet altogether where they can. Some will choose to do an act of kindness or charity or some other real human sacrifice each day for the season. 
the associate pastors propose that they give up work for 40 days. I told them you had to give up something you did a lot of, so they didn't qualify for that. This is being recorded, so I'm sure I'll be contacted later today. But whatever it is that we give up, whatever it is that we do extra, it's supposed to help us grow in our relationship with the person of Jesus. It's supposed to help us become closer to that image and likeness of God that God created us to be at the very beginning. The first reading we heard from the book of Genesis, the moment of the fall of humankind. God had created Adam and Eve in his own perfect image and likeness, and he had given them the gift of the world and all that was in it with only one condition. Do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't even touch it, for you shall die. And yet the tempter is able to trick them into eating of that fruit, and because of that, we have to go through Lent. Because of that, sin and death entered into a world that was made perfect. Jesus' days in the desert are also a reflection of that time after the Exodus when Moses led the people of Israel to the Promised Land. It wasn't much time after they arrived in the Promised Land that all of a sudden being obedient and being sons and daughters of God wasn't so important anymore. Life was pretty good. We don't need God to to help us. We can do it our own way. We're a nation now. We don't need God's assistance. And eventually they begin to build and to construct and to fashion idols to which they offered sacrifice and to which they bowed down. The three temptations of Jesus in the Gospel today are a reflection of what Israel did when they came into their own. And a reminder to us that we are tempted with the same things. We can be tempted to keep the food all to ourselves. We can be tempted to seek after power and wealth and then to use it in ways that it's not intended. We can be tempted to test God and to try to trick Him into giving him us what we want. Or we can simply when times are going good, put God in a box and set him on the shelf until something goes wrong and we realize that we can't do it on our own. Several weeks ago, the clergy team began a conversation that affects 
all of the parishes of Western Holt and Boyd County. We're embarking on a series of weeks where we're going to focus a little each week on an element of stewardship. And we've invited parishioners from each of the seven parishes uh, at specific times to give, or seven churches at specific times to give their own witness to stewardship. And I'm aware that St. Boniface and St. Joseph's and Atkinson a year or so ago did, did a stewardship drive that was an offertory increase that was very successful. But there's more to stewardship than just money. And in other dioceses around the country, they've learned that you have to talk about stewardship on a regular basis in order for it to happen. You can't just do it once every two or three or four years. We have to build it into our preaching cycle. And so we're going to talk about the ways that we, as individuals and as parish communities and as our realigned parishes and schools, can be better gifts, be better stewards of the gifts that God has given to each and every one of us. How can we proclaim the good news of salvation in our part of this world and have an impact? How can we become that light that shines through the darkness? How can we be the salt that gives flavor to people's lives? We know, because of the data, that 50% of the people that live in Holt and Boyd counties have no church affiliation or claim no organized religion as their home. Pope Francis, since his election, has challenged us and encouraged us and challenged us some more to leave the walls of our church buildings and to go out and to seek them out. How are we going to do that? I know that it's going to require for all of us, a cultural change in the way that we are and the way that we do church. And that there will be some who don't like it at all. In fact, I might get bloodied up a little bit. But, if we want the church to continue to exist beyond the next generation, we need to hear God's call through our Holy Father and begin to rebuild the church again. Some of those people who no longer have a church home, or perhaps never did, might be feeling the, the same kind of a tug from the Holy Spirit to become Catholic, or to become a member of a church, or at least to come and visit and to to look it over and to, to check it out. But I imagine some of the thoughts that run through their mind are, will I be accepted? Will I be welcomed? What will they say about me? What will they think of me if I go? <coughs> so Francis 
gives us a little toolkit. And he says it's not just about going out and inviting and proselytizing, it's about walking with people on the way. It's about accompanying them and journeying with them to help them to find their spiritual home. And the most growth that comes from that usually isn't from the, for the one who was lost. But it's for the shepherd who goes to find them. In my vision for our five parishes and two schools, I see us becoming once again the church of voice and the church of choice. We have an opportunity to bind together, to become united, to grow in faith, and to bring the love of God to places even in our own backyard where it's never been heard or experienced. So I invite you during these desert days of Lent to prayerfully consider where God is calling your heart. What are the gifts and the talents that he's given you that you haven't yet shared to your fullest with our parish and our community? I really believe that God is about to do something incredible in this part of his creation. And I also believe he wants us to be a part of it. Will we have the courage to respond to his call?